Hello and welcome to the Meeting Your Soul podcast. I'm Farah. I'm your host. <laughs> I don't know why I changed my voice right there, but um, nonetheless, I am your host and I am so excited to dive into today's topic, which is the Niyamas. And if you're curious, I, so the Niyamas are one of the eight limbs of yoga and they specifically address how we kind of engage with ourselves, how we establish personal practices in order to show up in the most authentic and true way and flow with life. And uh, earlier episode, I talked about the yamas, which focuses more on how we engage with the world and interact with others and how we can treat them with integrity and with respect and compassion. And so if you're interested in um, listening in for that episode, I encourage you to check it out. This one's going to be completely different because we're going to be talking about different um, practices but know that there's the two limbs of yoga and they are often interconnected when people speak to them, speak to them in the yoga world. So I will actually, I learned about these years ago. Um, I went to yoga teacher training back in 2012 and um, Sylvia Mardini, who is the lead instructor for alchemy of yoga um, and still is, she teaches in Costa Rica and in Bali um, and all over the place. She's um, a incredible ray of light. If you are ever interested in just learning more from a master teacher, she's definitely that and still has been that for me for many years. Um, but she really um, wanted to integrate the niyamas and yamas because one, they're a part of the eight limbs of yoga. And so she wanted to be able to make sure that we understood them, how do we could apply them and understood the kind of backbone of what they meant. And so that we were living our yoga, not just within the physical practice, but also in our um, communion with ourselves and in our communications with the people around us in our relationships. And I really respect her for emphasizing this so much within training. And it's definitely, you know, obviously made an impact on me and is something that I continue to learn about, to apply, and also teach within my classes as well. So love to hear your thoughts. I'm going to go into my personal kind of like beliefs around these things. And I'm going to pull quite a bit from Niyamas and Niyamas by Deborah Adele. Um, fantastic book. If you're interested in learning more, really easy read, very practical and kind of dives into each one of them and then gives you a few um, different um, kind of applications or even some exercises that you can do um, with each one and how you can like kind of apply it on like a weekly basis and continue to see how this unfolds within your own world. So let me know your thoughts. Um, if you, yeah, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Ferracino or my website, um, coachingwithfair.com. Um, if you're interested in just kind of talking more about this or even just having a discussion about it, would love to hear kind of how, what resonated with you, what stood out to you and how, um, you might be impacted by this. Cause I know that it's been something that's ever evolving for me. So let's begin. Uh, first Niyama is Saucha, which actually directly translates to purify. And it really addresses kind of this idea of decluttering and not only within our physical environments, which I think more often when you think, you know, Marie Kando, your ish, um, <laughs> I think that's more often or not where it gets brought up, but I think this can apply even within internally, within your mind, within your body, within, um, this idea of kind of cleansing, um, things that we've been holding on to sometimes for years, um, for generations, um, to be able to make space, um, to be able to clear it out and to be more present with what's what in front of us, um, instead of being distracted by other things that are going on around you. Um, I don't know if I'm the only one that is like this. I also work from home. So this, I might just be different in that way is that if my environment is cluttered and just messy or, you know, like, or even if I'm practicing yoga on the ground and I look over and I'm like, God, I really need a vacuum, which I actually despise more than most things in life. Um, it's distracting, right? Like it's this moment where then I, I get pulled out of presence. I get pulled out of whatever I'm doing and I'm getting dragged into this like Train, train of thought about some things I need to do or the to-do list that I'm going to keep adding on to or the fact that I need to fold my laundry or that I need to like wipe down this counter. Like it's really hard to stay focused. And so in just this very like pragmatic sense of like go clean your shit, you know, like go clean your house, do the things you need to do, purify your environment, see clutter, get rid of things that you don't use. Like if I don't wear an outfit or a piece of clothing for a year, I get rid of it because if I'm not wearing it in a year, I'm probably not going to wear it. Does it fit me? No, 
I'm getting rid of it. Do I not like it? Does it just not feel good when I wear it? If that's a, if that's a no or a yes, whatever the correct answer for that is, I let it go. Because when we let things go, when we release, when we relinquish what no longer serves us, we're able to make room for what does. And I think that that's really the essence of this particular niyama. What can you remove in order to make space, in order to simplify what you're doing and what you're feeling, what you're encountering, what's around you, what's surrounding you? As we purify ourselves physically and mentally, we become less cluttered and heavy. Purification brings a brightness and clarity to our essence, right? Like how, how do you feel after you clean your house? How do you feel after you do like a deep clean? Like a million bucks, right? You're like, yes, yes, queen, I did that. And it's so true. And like, or if you go and you like, do like, I don't, and like, people have different opinions about doing like juice cleanses and stuff. I've done lots of different cleanses throughout my life. Um, and I really find them beneficial. I really enjoy doing them. Um, but that's because I like the idea of like resetting my digestive tract, like, you know, just to be able to get the gunk out to like get out of the habit of eating junk food or fast food, because I know that after I do a cleanse, that's the last thing that I want. And it just sounds like unsatisfying, which before the cleanse would be like the most satisfying, yummy thing that I could eat. And then it turns into something that just sounds gross, right? But that only usually occurs when I've done a cleanse, when I've taken the time to consciously reevaluate what I'm allowing into my body, what I'm allowing into my mind. And I think even this can apply to like where we think of like decluttering our minds within meditation to be able to slow it down, to be able to be conscious of the thoughts that are streaming within us and the effects that those have on our emotional body within our nervous systems. You know, if we're constantly thinking negative thoughts about ourselves, then it's really easy to just get lost in the pattern of that, right? Because we never even take the moment to reflect on if that's serving us or not. But when we start to take note, when we start to actually identify the thoughts that we're, um, you know, really that are repeating within us, then we can be more intentional about what they are and if we want to continue them. And so I, this also states, as we purify ourselves from the heaviness and clutter of toxins, distractions, and scatteredness, we gain clarity to meet each moment with integrity and freshness. We become more, more pure in our relationship with each moment. Whatever form purifying takes, it always begins with the intention to lighten the load that we're carrying. Like, how can you lighten your load? We are asked to be with life, with others, with things, with the day, with work, with the weather, as they are in the moment, not as we wish they were or think that they should be or expect them to be. Whew. We will go into this a little bit more with Santosha as well, but like really allowing yourself to be with that moment as it is without the expectations of what it should be, but to be able to truly embrace what is. And that's embodying satcha but on this kind of mental and energetic level like giving yourself permission to really just experience something without the um lens of expectations without prerequisites without all of that and that, i'll talk about that more of santosha because that's contentment and finding um kind of contentment with what is and so there's definitely overlap but i think this one is kind of even just being able to be conscious of the thoughts, the expectations, those, the resentment sometimes, the things that we're holding on to, and to be able to let go of them, to release them, so that we're able to actually enjoy what's going on in front of us, right? Lightening our load. How can you lighten your load within your life? Being pure with ourselves means we are not afraid of our thoughts, our feelings, and what we do, and we do not have to hide from anything within ourselves. So taking one thing in at a time, simplifying your life, like I said, like how can we lighten our load and like being honest with yourself about what feelings and thoughts that do stream within, within you. You know, I so often I've talked to people about like, oh, if I don't think about this, if, if I avoid this, this will go away. If I repress this feeling, if I push this down, then it'll just disappear. And 
as we all know, um, that's just simply not the case. And um, one of a book that I, a friend uh, had suggested for me to read, and we've talked about at great length, is kind of the body keeps score. The body keeps track of these things that are occurring within us. And so really being honest with yourself about how you feel to be able to embrace and kind of be present to the moment within your emotions, within yourself, and what it has to offer without this idea that anything is necessarily good or bad too. And we'll talk about this with some of the other um, yamas as well. But kind of allowing yourself to slow down, to be able to be truly present, to be able to take in one thing at a time. Um, one of my teachers used to say this, and it's so true, because I'm like, I always say, oh, I'm such a great multitasker. I can multitask like the best of them. And, um, and I think that's, you know, very much a mom trait in general, because <laughs> we're always getting pulled in different directions. But um, she brought up a really good point. If you're do if you're doing multiple things, you can never be doing anything 100%. Let me say that again. If you're doing multiple things, you can never do any one thing 100% because your attention's divided. You're doing 20% here, 20% there, 20% there, 20% there, 20% there, whatever. Or 20% there, 30% there, 50% there. However you want to divide that up. Nonetheless, you're split. You're, you are spread out. And one thing I know about myself is I can spread myself too thin. You know, I can be doing so many things that, have you ever been doing so many things and you feel like you're failing at everything? Like I hear this from people all the time. So then stop doing so much, <laughs> right? But then it's like, well, if I let one ball, if like I wet, lift this drop, then what will happen? What will occur? Well, being really intentional about what does matter, what matters the most to you? What is the most important thing within your life? What does require and deserve your undivided attention? One thing I know for my daughter, when I'm around her, it is like within certain hours of the day, I always say five to eight, I am undividedly paying attention to her. Am I perfect at that? Do I sometimes get distracted? Do I sometimes get pulled into work? Do I have other things that grab at my attention? Sometimes yes. But even just the intention and the thought and the attempt to be able to say like during these hours of each day I'm with her, I'm going to be really present to her. And then she gets my undivided attention and she deserves that. But like, I, you know, I definitely can easily justify that. But then like, think about other areas of life. I know I'm more productive. I'm more consistent. I'm more effective when I'm a hundred percent into one particular task and I just dive in and I get it done. So just being aware of that, how can you simplify? And that can be within your, you know, tasks that you need to complete within work. Maybe it's how much you're loading your social schedule, whatever, what have you. Like you look at that within yourself and kind of decide where can you audit some things? Where can you edit some unnecessary distractions that might be filling your life right now? Maybe it's social media, cutting that out for a couple hours a day. Maybe that's, um, going, you know, when you go on a walk to be able to like not bring your phone with you to have like some time where you're not engaging with a device, you know, technology is consuming, consuming us, you know, we're so, you know, interactive on every single moment of every single day. It's like, how do you really just be? And that's what I feel like Sacha represents the pure essence of what is occurring right in front of you and being able to be fully present to that. There's so much beauty in that. There's so much healing that comes with that that I really encourage you to even just explore what that can mean for you. Okay? All right. Let's continue. Yeah. Week two. That's actually what she suggested to do for the second week. This week, begin to purify your thoughts and speech. Use friends, rituals, forgiveness, journaling to release toxins, stale, negative thoughts. Replace those thoughts with love and gratitude. Invite in some love. Girlfriend, boyfriend, do it. <laughs> do it. Remember that one movie? Was it Ben Stiller? God. Was it Starsky and Hutch? Do it. Do it. <laughs> I keep saying it to anyone. <laughs> I digress. And we're back. Next one. Santosha. Contentment. Oh, this is like my favorite Niyama. This is one I've like... It's going to make me cry when I think about this. When I was going through your teacher training, this is the one that like I really, really, really had to take a hard look at. 
because as I've shared with you guys on this pod before, like I am always kind of looking to the future. I'm always looking to that next thing. Like, okay, how can I grow? How can I build my business? How can I do this? How can I expand? How can I get evolved? How can I get bigger into who I am? How can I live more fully? Like I'm always kind of like three steps ahead of like where I'm going and moving towards a goal. But Santosha is the total opposite of that. You know, it's not complacent, it's contentment. How can I be content even within my pursuit of my goals and what I'm striving towards? How can I still be just as happy with what I have right in front of me? And that's obviously rooted in gratitude. I have a very, very strong gratitude practice. And that's, you know, definitely stemmed from this era within my life when I was really looking at these things and understanding where I was maybe dissatisfied because I was always looking forward instead of being able to appreciate what was occurring right in front of me. And I I remember there was this one image, one of my friends actually sent it to me. She was so sweet. It was someone and there was like two edges of a cliff of a cliff and the one person like a person had one leg on one side and the person had the other leg on the other side and there was like this void right in the center and it was like the future the past and then the present was that person as they were kind of balancing in between these two cliffs and I think that there was you know it's it's very poignant in the fact that it's like the present there's this floating there's this there is a void. There is this kind of like space in between and we're clenching to the future. We're still holding on to the past, but in actuality, can we float right in the center? And, you know, I don't think any of us can fly, but I wish I could, (laughs) but I do think that there's this idea that we can appreciate what's going on right in front of us instead of seeking this future, like, pleasure or goal or kind of like you know how people always talk about like when this happens I'll be happy when I get this I'll be happy when I stop when I pay off this I'll be okay I'll stop stressing when this occurs if you're constantly making that story up that storyline in your head I really want you to think about if you ever actually get there like for real if you're constantly saying, when this occurs, I'll be, I'll be okay. When this occurs, I'll be calm. When this occurs, everything's going to be all right. One, what if those things ever happen? Because, you know, ultimately we don't have any control of any of these things. But then also, what about right now? Right now is what we, we're, we have at our hand. This is what we're holding in our palm. What about right now? Why can't you be all of those things and more in this moment right here and that's what I had to battle with that's what I struggled with that's what I'm like 10 years later have finally found you know like this appreciation you know I saw my moments to be honest let's be real because I do always like I'm always striving forward and you know and I'm single at this point in my life so there is a piece of me that's like okay like I want to find a partner at some point, you know, that is something that is important to me that I I've been in partnership for a very long time. So I would love to be able to find a partner again, but does that mean that's going to stop me from being happy with where I'm at today? Hell to the motherfucking no. I, (laughs) that's not just like with a relationship, but like with every aspect of my life, am I necessarily where I want my business to be? Not yet. I know I'm going there. I know I'm headed in the right direction. Have I arrived? No but I know that I will and I have faith and I trust in the moment as it is now and God willing, I'm bound to have a good time while I'm here in this moment too because life is too gosh darn short to constantly be pulled into this idea that there's never enough, that this isn't enough, that this moment, that there's something that's lacking. The reason why you're here in this moment is because this is exactly where you need to be. So enjoy it. Find some motherfucking joy and all of this. I don't know. I'm cussing so much. It's just coming out. So I'm letting it, but right. Like be able to allow yourself to embrace, to really step in. Santosha invites us into contentment by taking refuge in a calm center, opening our hearts to gratitude for what we do have and 
practicing the paradox of not seeking, looking forward for fulfillment will always disappoint us and keep contentment one step out of reach. This if only game that we play with ourselves, if only this, if only that. Fuck that. What about, I'm like really like taking a moment to reflect what you do like about what is right now. And Santosha invites us into contentment by taking refuge. Yes. What was I going to say? We think we are free, but in truth, we are spending huge amounts of our energy maneuvering ourselves and manipulating others so that our day will be filled with what we like and be void of what we don't like. I have noticed this maneuvering of life as a physical feeling of gripping in my body. When I find myself around something that gives me pleasure, it is almost like in me there's a grip to desire for that pleasure. We're constantly kind of like finding these preferences, like really to be like, well, if this person would have done this, I would be fine. If this traffic wasn't here, I would be fine. If this person or this like job would have worked out, I would be okay. I would feel more confident in who I am. Well, fuck it. Those things didn't occur. So you got to throw it out. the. You got to let it go. You got to let it go and find this like neutrality and contentment with what's actually occurring right in front of you. And I think that that's what I finally came to terms with by the, the, you know, by my few months within teacher training was like, okay, I have no control over these things. I do have control over some, but some things I don't have control over. And I can either be pissed off or annoyed that it's not the way I wanted it to be. Or I can just like, roll with it, embrace it, take it as it comes, and hopefully find, have a little bit of fun along the way. And that's definitely what I'm attempting to embody within everything in my life nowadays. And there is this surrender that comes along with it, which I'll talk about later too. But then it's like, I'm in flow. I'm, I'm um, fully integrated and just showing up from the most positive and optimistic point of view I possibly can do. And that's not to say that I don't feel anger, frustration, sadness, borderline depression sometimes. It's all there too. But those are moments where maybe I needed to take a break. Maybe I'm overloading myself. And so I'm feeling that way. That's a signal for my body to be able to adjust, to be able to change something. You know, when we feel discomfort, there's a reason why. And I've spoken to that too. But listening to it, hearing it out, and taking note of it so that I'm able to, you know, continue to learn and to be able to continue to craft this life that I love and a life that I want to continue to love. But it doesn't mean that, like, I think that one of the... It's like a cop-out. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm gonna get real aggressive. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But um, it's a cop-out to say, like, this if only game. And then to blame everything else for why you're unhappy with your life. Hard truth. Mic drop. You can be happy and content with your life right now. You're the only person stopping yourself from doing that. You take responsibility for your happiness. When you pull, take the power back, forgive, let go, open yourself up, accept what is, and try to seek the lesson in it, find the gratitude in it, use it as a way to be able to evolve to like and transform, transmute that frustration into something productive. Transmute that sadness, that terrible occurrence into something that helps you blossom and bloom, that it builds character. And I'll talk about that with tapas as well. So the, there's always something that I think that you can like incorporate this into. Being content with our discontentment is itself a gateway to the calm depths within. When you finally just get okay with what is, to be able to have that kind of neutral perspective, then we, like, there's no disturbances. You know? 
you're with it. You're rolling with it. You got a smile on your face. Life is good. And that doesn't mean that we get stuck. That doesn't mean we stay stagnant. That doesn't mean that we don't continue to grow. It doesn't mean that we stay in discomfort when unnecessarily so. What it means is that whatever is occurring in front of you, taking it in for what it is and then letting it, leaving the rest to fall into place as it should. There's so much beauty in it. There's so much surrender. There's so much tranquility that comes from that. And as you might imagine, this is something that's extremely difficult. And that's why I was like, this is the one I learned about. And I was like, but once I found that, once I started to really, really, really take a hard look at my life and what was, what I was unhappy with, you know, I could look at someone and I could say, you're not what I want you to be. Or I could say, I love these things about you. Right? It's a simple switch. Focusing on what you want someone to, how you want someone to change versus the things that you do appreciate and love about them. And that goes along the same for yourself. Do I, what do I love about myself? What are areas of growth that I know that I need to? I'm not bypassing that. That's areas of growth that I have, but I can still appreciate things about myself today. I can still like love who I am as a person. And so can you. And even within the relationships and the people around you, like how can you then appreciate something about someone instead of focusing on all the things that aren't enough? That's within our career. That's within our partnerships, as I've been mentioning, within our physical body, within our physical exercise, like with anything. Taking a step back and really writing down ideas of like what you can appreciate. This week, take responsibility for all your emotional disturbances. Track every annoyance and upset back to yourself. Choose to stay in the disturbance or return to the calm center of contentment or to be content with your disturbance. Try it out. I would be really curious to hear how this changes your perspective when things don't go right. I used to like, there was always a time where I'd be like, <laughs> I was also really super zen. This is like when I was going through teacher training and I was like just really delving into all of this and I was just trying to be like so calm and centered. Um, but I remember like things wouldn't go right and I was like, well, I guess that's not how it was supposed to work out in the first place. <laughs> and I would, I just would be like, well, that it is what it is and this is what I've now I'm having to like be like what I'm presented with. So like, let's go. You know, but I also think that there's equal parts to be able to fight what you, for what you believe in and to fight for what you love and like to be able to stick with something even when things don't necessarily work out. And especially within, you know, a partnership, if like someone isn't necessarily like if they're pissing you off or being hurtful towards you, like don't just be OK with being hurt all the time. Like that's not all right. But like at the same time, like choosing, picking your battles. That would be another way to incorporate this one, too. All right, shall we continue? Let's do it. Let's do it, do it, do it. Um, okay, tapas. Self-discipline. Oh, don't we all love a little bit of discipline in our lives? I do not. Um, <laughs> um, tapas literally means heat and can be translated as self-discipline, spiritual effort, change, tolerance, or transformation. Tapas has a sense of cooking ourselves in the fire of discipline to transform ourselves into something else. Tapas is a day-to-day -day choice to burn non-supportive habits of the body and mind, choosing to forsake momentary pleasures for future rewards. Oh man. Okay. So and this is like self-discipline, obvious enough, right? But like really, sadhana is like a spiritual practice. And it's like a 40-day dedication into doing something every day for 40 days, which is harder than you would think. And 
I'm just, I keep my schedule pretty fluid. For some people that are more like rigid and that are very routine, I'm actually extremely routine in a lot of areas in my life. But then there, I like a little bit of fluidity as well. I got equal parts of both. But I think for people that are really like consistent, this is like one that's easier while contentment might be a little bit harder for them to achieve. But then for someone who's like very easygoing and happy-go-lucky, that one contentment might be easy while tapas might be a little bit more challenging. So we're all going to have things that we're butting up against that might be easier or harder this is one where I would say, what is something in your life that you've always wanted to do, but either don't have the strength to be able to do yet, or maybe even you know that it would be really good for you, but you just like haven't been consistent enough to achieve it. It doesn't have to be extreme. And I, so like this last month, my goal was to meditate every day for 21 days and I did it. I wanted to do the full 40, but my birthday came and again, should happen so I didn't end up doing it but I was very pleased with myself that I did 21 days doing a meditation practice I try to meditate every day in general but to really track it to sit down to turn on the app to be able to apply that like I can meditate doing just about anything but like to really be able to say this is my dedicated time I'm going to insight time or I'm going to track this that was more difficult for me you know because I'll meditate before I go to bed each night you know or when I first wake up or when I'm car driving in the car like I infuse it in my life on a regular basis but to be able to like have that personal practice be something I was really I was really determined to do it and I was able to accomplish it but I think this can come up you know within anything you know when I first started my yoga practice I was practicing five days a week like and I was going to classes on a regular basis and that was really important to me but that's because I knew that I needed it you know and it became a priority for me and when it becomes a non-negotiable for you that's how it stays consistent that's how you keep up with it that's how you continue it and that's why it's important and it also teaches us strength it teaches us what we can accomplish even in the face in the face of adversity even when things aren't easy when it's not convenient can we continue on can we continue to show ourselves that we're going to be able to accomplish this no matter what and that's how we earn self-respect that's how we start to um, build character. That's like, you know, in, in the moments where the things are the most difficult, when we're faced into this moment where we have nothing left, it is in the times of hopeless desperation that mold and shape us into someone of depth. We have the choice to be able to break down or to break open where we have exhausted all that we have and all that we uh, all that we are, the new strength is shape and character is born if we choose to fearlessly open ourselves to the experience. It's perhaps the greatest gift life could offer us. And, uh, you know, I, I think about this. I, it was one of the quotes from Michael Martin. It's like, I learned more from what I was, that was taken than from anything that was given. You know, like sometimes when we get stripped away, but when we take everything pulls us down into that core of who we are, Sometimes that's where our greatest moments of growth stem from. The moments where we didn't know how we were going to make it out. The moments where we didn't know that we could actually, that it was going to actually pan out. Like those are those times where we continue to practice. We continue to stay with it. We continue to stoke the heat within us, that passion, that fire. When we continue to do that, that's when transformations occur. That's when we actually step up. We level up into that next version of who we are meant to be. And I think about this, like what I was talking about with my yoga practice with my meditation practice but I think that anyone that's ever wanted to be really good at something recognize that it took practice it didn't just instantly occur like if you and that's like but then when we do see the results when we do see the transformations like how much more worth it is that like how much reward more rewarding is that when that actually does come into fruition and we're showing ourselves that we can do something that maybe we never knew that we dreamed that we could. And I think that, you know, if you're playing an instrument or, you know, working on a craft or an art form or, um, you know, woodworking or really anything, like it takes time to be able to become better at something It takes, you know, with a 10,000 hour rule, like it takes 10,000 hours to truly be a master at something. Those hours aren't just, you know, floating on by. And, you know, if you enjoy what you do and love what you do, maybe a little bit more, but like, those, you know, it takes years to be able to really master something.
but and I know that like when I first started teaching yoga like I was terrified I was mortified to teach in front of people I'm like really outgoing but at the same time I'm very much an introvert and so like I just was like so scared you know and I would get really nervous and I would bomb some days like straight up bomb like terrible like I was not good <laughs> like I was like very like I, I've always been really insightful I like but when I'm in flow when I'm synced up it like would flow through me and I would speak from my heart and it all would like transform but then there was also days where I was nervous or like I was in a good headspace or like I just wasn't prepared you know there would be things that would come up in life where the, it wasn't ideal um, like circumstances and shit would not go right and like but I learned from that and that's the thing do we allow those things to break us down to make us feel less worthy that we're not enough or do we use them as like a way to be like a lesson like okay that wasn't how I liked it to be I definitely could have been better so how can I get better like if you really are passionate about something if you really care about something then keep getting better you know keep learning and it doesn't matter how many times you fall. It's about how many times you get up. Like people underestimate, like with kids, like that are children, like, you know how many times a kid falls before they learn how to walk? Like we forget that. But the resiliency that comes from that, that even just a self-awareness to know that we can continue on, that we will be okay, that we will continue. There's power in that. There's strength in that. That's how we build strength. When I was reading through this Deborah Adele chapter, she was talking about, she went through a separation and it was about like, um, that she was like determined, sorry, I was going to try to pull it up, but that she was determined to be able to like become better at something. And so during the breakup that next year, she did 200 crunches every day. And, um, and then she, that over that time that like by the end of that year, she had such a strength that came from her core, from her center, that she knew that she could accomplish anything and that she kept reminding herself that I can do this, I can do this. That self-talk, that way that she was motivating herself kept her on the path. And that at the end of it, she showed herself what she was capable of in a way that she never imagined to be so. Like, there's so much growth that can occur when we're in the depths of our psyche when we are in the depths of something that we're struggling with. But then when we make it out the other side, how that ripple, that ripple effect into every other area of our life is where we can really be able to see like the potential of what we can do. And that's how we build confidence. You know, one of the best ways to build confidence is to continue to grow and learn something new, to be able to be really good at something, to be able to say, you know, I can't do everything, but I can do this. And I can do it pretty damn good, actually. I'm pretty good at it. And that's how we own it. That's how we can then find that kind of internal strength, which I think tapas is really connected to and that it stems from. Okay. Next, Niyama. Svedhaya. Also one of my favorites, Svedhaya or self-study is about knowing our true identity as divine and understanding the boxes we are wrapped in. This process of knowing ourselves in the boxes that adorns us creates a pathway to freedom. The boxes are like how we identify ourselves, what we believe in to be true, our preferences, our dislikes, our fears, our imagination. We are at the core divine consciousness. And when we're able to the process of knowing ourselves and the boxes, yes, we suffer. The yogis tell us because we forget who we are. When we think about the boxes we are wrapped in and forget that we are really the divine hiding inside. Sadhaya or self-sunny is knowing our true identity as divine and understanding the boxes that we wrap ourselves. We find clues about our boxes by watching our projections, by a process of tracing our reactions back to a belief, and by courageously looking at life as it is. Every comment you make about the world, about another person, about an event, about a life is a projection of yourself and a clue into your interior landscape. Hello. How you see the world is secretly how you view yourself. That's how you are. You're projecting your perspective within your internal environment is then being projected into your outside world. Life is a mirror. What do you see? What do you see? 
Do you see magic? Do you see beauty? Do you see love? Connection? Strength? Or all the opposites? What you see outside of yourself is what is going on occurring within you. The process of self-study is so incredibly important to be able to really address why you see the world the way you see it. Why you people please? Why you feel the need to get external validation? Why you need someone to tell you that you're pretty because you don't believe it to be true for yourself? How do you see yourself? How do you see your world? Really getting honest with yourself about those things, it literally will transform your life. Because once you start identifying the errors within that, don't believe all of your thoughts. Not all of your thoughts are true. You make them up. Is that but true? When you start identifying those, when you start parsing through that, sifting through, what's real? What's valid? And what have you made up as a defense mechanism, as a protection to what maybe has gone on within your childhood, what's gone on within some traumatic event, what's layers with these, you know, like they said, these like wrapping paper, these boxes that we've like shielded around us so that we don't have to like, I personally think it's because we don't want to really be seen. It's really scary for people to see you for exactly who you are because then I think there's such an easy possibility that someone could judge you. They could not like you. But it's like, well, if I put up all of these layers, if I'm perfect or if I follow all the rules, if I do all the things I'm supposed to do, then if they don't like me, that's fine because they don't really know the real me. Or how could they not like me because I'm everything that everyone wants me to be? I'm like everyone else. I fit in. But to throw off all of that, to be able to let your light, to stop dimming in order to let your light be seen, to be unique, to be yourself. The only way you can really do that is if you know who you are. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you like? Do you know what fuels you? Do you know what makes you come alive? What makes you feel passionate? What makes you feel excited? What makes you feel like you are giving back in this unique way that only you are meant to give back? What's your superpower? What turns you on? What makes you feel like you could like you're invincible? What makes you laugh? What, what kind of music do you really like? If no one told you what kind of music that you should like or pop music or any of these things, like what artists would you just naturally love? Like, um, I was going to be a hater for a second, but I won't. <laughs> I will. I won't do it. I won't do it. But at the end of the day, stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Stop drinking the motherfucking Kool-Aid and get to know yourself and own that shit. Because I would say life will open up its doors for you once you do. Know what who you are, who is this person. I've spent the last two years diving in deep, deep into the good and the bad, the shadow and the light to really understand who I am. Because for so such a long period of time, I was just trying to be who I thought I needed to be. A good mother, a good wife. I have a good husband. I have a good job. I have all the things that life told me that I needed to do in order to be perfect, to be able to be respected, in order to be liked. But did I like myself? Did I like what the life that I was creating? Yeah, parts of it, yeah, for sure. I wouldn't have done it. Actually, I'm pretty independent, so I kind of do what I want in general. But still, there was still a large piece of me that was trying to fit this mold of who I felt that I needed to be in order to be deemed successful, in order to be deemed respected by my community, by my friends, by my family. And when I shook all that shit down, when I shook it all off, and when I like burned it to a crisp, I had to get real about who I was because I let go of everything else. 
So what did I like? Who did I want to hang out with? Who were my friends? What music taste did I like? Like, what books do I want to read? Where do I want to live? Who, like, how do I want to decorate my place? How do, like, what kind of plants? Like, all the things. I, like, it was just this, like, reevaluation of everything in life and me just being like, who am I? Who am I? And I'm syncing up with that and only that, and I'm letting everything else go. There's a freedom to that. There's a liberation to that, that unless you've experienced that firsthand, you just cannot even begin to comprehend. And I implore you to go down that road, not necessarily burn your life down. I'm a purple aura. Um, if you don't know about auras, look at Mystic Michaela. She's like fantastic. I had a reading. I'm a purple aura. I'm purple indigo, actually. And we tend to burn shit up. We tend to let fires, throw um, bombs into, as she says, um, like change bombs or what did she call them? Purple bombs where we like, we get too complacent or something just doesn't feel right. Or we're like unhappy. We just like blow shit up. So not necessarily saying you should blow your shit up, but take some time to reflect. And it can be a slow process if you prefer it that way. And I do too, but there's other parts of me that's like, I got to let this shit go. If I don't do it now, I won't do it. So everyone's different. Trust yourself, but really get to know who you are. And like, that's where you find your like secret sauce. Like you have a gift. You have something that only you have in this earth. You have a purpose. You have a dharma. You have an exact reason of why you are in this world at this point in time with and born in this, the family that you were and the socioeconomic status and the area that you were are located in. There is a reason for all of that. So like figure out what makes you come alive that's what the world needs more of. And once you figure that out, all the other stuff will just seamlessly kind of fall into place. And there'll be struggles. There'll be moments of like, like difficulty. Don't, don't get me, don't get it twisted. It definitely will be that. But at least you'll know why. At least you can see it. And you'll believe in the purpose of why you're going through it. Versus struggling for no goddamn reason. Right? An exercise that I would really encourage you to, um, oh, Pantajali says, study thyself, discover the divine. I've always been innately interested in the human mind. I have a degree in psychology. This has always been something I've been fascinated by. And that is like what I really wanted to be able to understand and why like got my degree it was because like, why do I do the things I do? Why am I the way I am? And but I was numbing out. There was a lot of things that I was doing to distract myself so that I didn't get to have to see the darkness. And I think that that's what yoga teacher training helped me do. And even within these last couple of years to really get real about like, what don't I like about myself? Like, and why? Like, what story have I made up about that characteristic that's negative where I have to feel shame around that? Like, I, I used to like love to just like I do. I still like to sleep in. I love to sleep and I like to just lay in bed for extended periods of time. <laughs> it's true. I really do. And I'm so busy in so many points in my life that I don't really get the joy of that often, but I do at least once a week because that's how much, that's how important it is to me. And that's how much joy it brings me. It sincerely does. So he's like laying in bed. I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm not even doing anything. And it could be for hours, honestly, hours. And I'll just lay there. I don't even have my phone on me sometimes. I'll just be laying there thinking, reading, rolling around. It's just fun. I just like it. And so, but in my mind, you know, especially within my last partner who was up really early and always at, like up and going, I felt like up and out. I felt lazy. Like I felt like it was like inferior of me to do that. That I was like not enough because I like to sleep in every once in a while. Like th that I wasn't driven, that I wasn't as, you know, self-disciplined enough to be able to do that. Or I just accepted I am really disciplined and I'm very focused and I'm very productive in a lot of areas of my life. But then also like if I want to rest, I'm going to fucking rest. 
I'm really outgoing. I love to be around people. I'm extremely like, some people call me charming, charismatic. I don't really th think that I'm those things. I think I'm just really real and people identify with that because they know that I'm being genuine, but I can be really like social and when I want to be, but then I'm also extreme introvert and I like to be alone. I love my solitude. I love to just like chill and not speak to anyone and just like lay in my bed. <laughs> Am I both of those things? Yes, we are multidimensional people and that's okay. Like doing, I have actually have another podcast episode also on like recognizing your light and your darkness. I really encourage you to listen to that, to be able to take a listen and just like see where, how can I see the full spectrum of who I am as an individual and where can I find acceptance? Where can I find um, this kind of like welcoming in of who I really am? so that you can let go of this projection or this need to be anything else because you are a rock star just as you are and embracing that leaning into that fully living that is when life really starts to take off dun, 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 dun. okay as we continue let's continue um I was just reading this one part. The witness is our ability to watch ourselves act and respond. It is our ability to watch our thoughts, our emotional disturbances. This ability gives us clues into the matrix of the belief system. It is how we know ourselves and the stories that run us. The witness and our ability to watch the ego rather than to identify with it. This profoundness of this watching is what we begin to know ourselves as something different than who we thought we were. It is in this ability to watch that begins to bring healing within our lives. Oh... How can we literally just be able to sit and witness who we are, to be able to create space for it, to be able to open ourselves up to the vastness and the dichotomy that exists within us? Try it out. I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on this one too. Okay. Last Niyama. Ishvara Pradhana. Surrender. Surrender invites us to be active participants in our life, totally present and fluid with each moment while appreciating the magnitude and mystery of what we're participating in. When we release our rigidity and our need to control, we joyfully engage life as it comes to us. And as we place our egos in devotion to what is greater, we can begin to taste the bounty of this jewel. Mm. your actions your thoughts your activities you're engaged in lined up and became one entity of harmony and perfection so i'm sure some of you guys have felt this at a certain time is there's this um idea of just being in flow with life to be able to almost imagine yourself as a river moving through and you think about a river that just like keeps flowing and even if it runs up against a rock it moves around the rock and it keeps flowing it still knows the destination of where it needs to be and even if it switches its route or it turns and kind of snakes around it always ends up being exactly it still gets to the destination and i think within life it's really easy to get caught up on like the rock or the barrier that is blocking us from getting to where we thought we should be or the direction that we were supposed to go in the first place, but now we're going this way. So are we still going to get there? And there's this fear that comes from this. There's a resistance that comes from that. And it's like, we got to let that shit go. We got to like, just be, be with the river flow, keep moving, keep moving, trusting our internal compass to be able to guide us, to be know and having faith that we're going to end up exactly where we're meant to be. And sometimes when we surrender, when we let go of these expectations of what we think it should be, we actually end up flowing into something way better. Mm -hmm. And that's my favorite part is like when I really let go and surrender to this sense of this higher power, I try to do this on a regular basis. So I often do this within vacations because um, I just don't have, you know, like a set schedule. And so I'm able to be a little bit more loose with it. But I will literally just like I'll plan like one thing a day. And then the rest of the time, like I do, this is why I do for solo trips. I'll plan one thing each day and then I'll just like roll with it. Like 
where is my heart telling me to go? Where does my intuition guide me? What catches my eye? What is like affirming the colors or the symbols that I'm like using as my intuition's guide to be able to help um, direct me? Like, and then just moving through my day and like literally magic. It is fucking magic that unfolds from that. Again, I don't know why I'm cussing so much, but I don't really care. But there is so much magic that occurs when I'm able to lean into that. And then it just all comes together. And things I would have never even dreamed possible, like what happened. Like I, the example I was thinking of earlier was like, okay, I did my first solo trip in Miami. Ended up going out. I'm actually still friends with her. She is so fun. Her name's Jasmine. Shout out Jasmine. If you watch this, this is about you. And um, so it was my, I think it was my second night. I can't remember. Um, maybe it was my first. So I was in Miami by myself. And I was like, okay, the one thing I want to do tonight is, no, it was the second day. I was like laid at the pool all day, went to the beach, got food, chilled. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go to a drag show tonight. But I obviously I was by myself. So I was like, okay, but this seems safe because I'm like going to a drag show and there's going to be like gay men around me. So like, it's whatever. Um, and so then I go and it's supposed to be, it's called the palace and it's like the best drag show in all of um, Miami or one of them. I don't know if there's a ranking in them, but anyways, phenomenal performances all around. So I would say top notch. I think it's the best. It's the only one I went to, but it was spectacular. But so I went and, um, I ended up, you know, seeing this girl and, or no, I think I started at the bar and then we started chatting a little bit. And then she was like, Hey, and they were like, Hey, if you guys have a seat, you couldn't sit by yourself. So you had to have another person to have a seat outside. And so then she was like, do you want to sit down together? And then that way we can like go outside. And I was like, hell yeah, that sounds awesome. So and she, we hit it off. She was so cool. And so then we ended up chatting and just having an absolute blast all night. And then we ended up going to another bar that she knew. And so she had so happened to just move to Miami. She was living with family or she had just moved there with family. The first time she went out, she was just like, didn't know anyone either. And so she just didn't, she was like, fine, I'm just going to go out. I need to stop seeing. And, and so she came out and then we ended up in her, like, like intercepting each other. And then we were able to have such a good time. And we ended up going to this bar that she suggested having a blast. We were dancing, like just having the best time. And she ended up dropping me off like at my hotel. And like, and like we stayed in touch and I forever, I've still been friends with her and I still stay in touch with her because I absolutely adore her. And like, that was like the, like one of those first glimpses of me being like, would I have ever predicted that to be the, like what we ended up doing? Would I've ever been able to like craft that or control that or like make that happen if I, if I wasn't living in flow. No, like impossible. I would have never been able to even like conjure that up in my mind. Like, but it was exactly what I needed. And it was like the best and like a moment that I'll never forget. And the moments that we like sometimes let go of that control and we really surrender to what's going on in front of us is when, when the divine gets to come in and guide to work its magic, to like flutter around and make sure there's a little bit of something special that you get to keep with you. And that can be within your career, that can be within your relationships, what, what have you. But like sometimes when we loosen that grip, we're able to like really let what is meant to be pour into us. And I think on a very practical level, you know, just finding flow within your life, like doing something that where you get lost in like without thought, you know, and I don't know if it's like, I know that I used to feel it's when I used to hold my daughter. Um, I know that I've felt this, you know, when I practice yoga where I just, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just naturally moving from one thing to the next. And I'm just finding this like fluidity, this flow, this this essence of presence in the purest sense. And when I touch in with that, I feel like that is when I'm communing with God. That's when I'm communing with my soul. That's when I'm living, truly living the life that it was meant for me. So getting glimpses of that in different times in your life to be able to incorporate things where you're able to access that and then maybe incorporating it into a full day or into, you know, an afternoon or an evening where even just on your own, like, okay, I'm going to go out and get a bite to eat for my, by myself. And just like, see like, okay, what do I want to eat tonight? And like lean into it. Try not to be like, well, I 
told that one person I was going to go here or, you know, like none of that, like, or maybe if it is like, oh, you know, I've been wanting to go here forever. And I, for some reason I just never go. So like, I'm going to go tonight's the night. And then you go and you eat and maybe then you start talking to a person that's next to you and you start chatting and then they end up knowing this person or like, you know, like life works in really mysterious ways and it's working for you. So like, allow it to be that. Right? Find a little bit of like spark of spontaneity and see where it takes you. And like, I think that the reason why we avoid this sometimes is because of the uncertainty that surrounds it, right? Like there's this idea that like, if we're not perfectly placing every piece in, in its right location, that it's all going to tumble down. And surrender asks us to be strong enough to engage with each moment with integrity while being soft enough to flow with the current of life. As we're able to let go of what we can't change, we're able to grow more and more into our unique gifts and contributions to life itself. There's something that is ours to do, and whether it's small or large, it is our contribution to the whole of humanity. As we discern where our path lies and the then surrender to that awareness, we are, begin to taste freedom and joy in a way we never dreamed possible. As the ego surrender, the heart expands. As the ego stops working so hard to get its own way, life begins to take an ease and a rhythm. As the ego stops fighting to be number one, life begins to nourish and feed us in amazing ways. It couldn't be more true. And finding different ways for you to be able to experience this is such a gift. And I can't wait to hear more about how this shows up in your life. Thank you so much for being here, for listening in for this last hour about the Niyamas. And again, like I mentioned before, would love to hear your thoughts, what your personal um, kind of experiences are around these things and ways that you might be able to incorporate some of these practices within your life. I think it's so beautiful and so fun and can be really something that's playful, that's enjoyable. It doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to be too disciplined, too rigid, you know, there can be a, a softness and ease that comes along with it. A little sukum for you. Thank you so much for listening in and I will see you soon. Namaste.